Well, we got a spooky show for you today. It is Tuesday, October 31st, Halloween Day. Looking around campus and, uh, you know, some of these students, they get involved, they get their costumes on. But but for the most part, I'd say about 90% of our students don't dress up anymore, which is kind of a bummer. But our faculty and staff have gotten into Halloween recently, and that is due to uh, our wonderful director of the Halloween committee, maybe self-appointed, but Rosie Morales does a great job pumping it up and getting departments involved and there are many different themes out there i saw the technology department is a group of vikings the science group went with the barbie oppenheimers which is owed to a couple of recent movies that were just released um what else have we seen out there i think the math department has taken on harry potter and hogwarts uh, in the main office here, we uh, we uh, dressed up as um, homeboys and homegirls in honor of Father Greg Boyle. So it's a fun day, a uh, lot of costumes, especially with the faculty and staff. And uh, there will be a contest, so I'll get to see them all during morning break when we take uh, photos of each of the groups. And then the Halloween committee, which is Rosie Morales, will decide who the champion of the contest is so it's a fun day uh fun day for me because i have another interview i have an interview with a super special guest um, who has a tremendous amount of experience on campus and a lot of great stories i'm sure um and speaking with jerry fermento about the origin of Fermento's Feast and his relationship with Donna Wanland um, and his career, his very long career at Loyola was, was really great to hear. So let's get into another episode of We Are Loyola. So I have a very, very special guest here for episode five of We Are Loyola. Sitting here with me right now is our very own Mrs. Pat Salvati, a.k.a. Mrs. Wonderful. <laughs> she is wonderful in all aspects and the true definition of wonder, I guess. How are you, Mrs. Salvati? I'm well, thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, let's just get started, I think, with uh, uh, a little bit about maybe uh, your upbringing, your childhood, where you grew up. And this is a really cool thing for me because, uh, you know, we have conversations just about daily, which I uh, look forward to for the most part. Um <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I don't know much about where you grew up, and uh, uh, why don't you tell us hey. a little bit about it? Um, I was born in Detroit, Michigan, oh. and I lived there until I was 12. Um, 
1954, my father's company was going to move out of Detroit, and my mother's family was all in California. So she said, if we got to move anyway, could we try California? And he said, I really don't like California. <laughs> I was there during the Second World War, but he was at Navy bases. So he said, it's always cloudy in the morning, very, and it's not great, gets windy. But when he moved to Southern California instead of Northern California, he liked it because he could golf mm -hmm. almost every weekend with my uncles. And he said it was great. One of his brothers called him and they said, oh, we're so concerned about you being in the smog. And my dad said, I don't have to shovel it. And there's none of it on the golf course that I can see. So he said he was happy to be here. And we moved first to Covina. And the house we got had four orange trees in the back. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of in the country. It was kind of like the American dream, actually, moving out. The only thing we didn't have was a pickup truck. But we did have four orange trees and a house that had like four bedrooms and two baths. So it was really quite different from Detroit. Yeah. Did he, did you move out here? Or did he move out here for work? reasons? No, he didn't have a job when we moved out here, okay. but then he quickly got one. Okay. My uncles all worked for the Edison company, and he didn't want to do that, but so he found his own okay. job. Well, that's great. And, okay, brothers and sisters. I have one brother. Jim is three years younger than I. Okay. He, um, I was always had to take him places. The oldest kid kind of gets <laughs> stuck with that. My daughter can, uh, can <laughs> attest to that. Yeah, right. And especially when you have a younger brother, because he was pretty carefree and everybody liked him. And it was always maddening to me when I'd have my friends over and they'd rather talk to my brother because mm -hmm. he was more amusing. So I tried never to be at home. I, I can't even imagine <laughs> that. Someone more amusing than you, that's yes. not possible. He was very amusing. So, <laughs> And he also was, um, he went, we got along better when we weren't at the same school because he thought he knew what was going on and I knew what was going on. Of so course. Yeah, so <laughs> it was kind of a little touch and go. So he actually um, was a classmate of Kenny Loggins, and they were in bands together, and he traveled all over the country. Your with, brother did? Yes, oh, with wow. Kenny Loggins. They were in bands together, and my brother decided wisely that for every city the size of San Gabriel, there were probably... 20 guys that wanted to become professional musicians. Mm -hmm. And in every city, there were probably 15 better than he was. So <laughs> he became the manager for Kenny Loggins and Loggins and Messina and then worked with Fleetwood Mac for a while. So he um, traveled a lot. That's remarkable. So did you get free tickets to the shows? Yes, we would Very get free nice. and but we'd have to take my folks and that was always kind <laughs> That's of a little, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> it was always kind of <laughs> interesting there. We when they played out here a lot, we mm -hmm. did. But his travel really enabled my parents like they went to Hawaii with them a couple times mm -hmm. and they had never been on a plane before mm -hmm. the two of them so it was really a nice thing so That's and he's still like he was contacted by Kenny to help with his autobiography and different things like that so it it was nice for him That's great and you you mentioned that you went to separate schools We went to the same 
Yes, because okay. I'm three years older. Right. So we were only in high school for one year together. I went to San Gabriel Mission okay. um, High School, which is now all girls. But then it was boys and girls. It was co-instructional. So the boys were on one side, the girls were on the other. You shared the campus, and you shared the library. That was mm -hmm. about it. And But it was great because the girls had football teams they could go to the dances and everything were mixed so mm -hmm. it was great there were at the time there were several catholic schools that were like that interesting yeah well okay you didn't have to go to class with boys so well it was good <laughs> didn't have to put on it sounds great didn't yeah. have to look put on <laughs> lipstick if you didn't want to you no. know you didn't have I, to see anybody again you, my daughter can relate yeah so exactly Patricia, she's at st joe's yeah. down in lakewood and uh yeah, she uh, she appreciates yeah, that aspect. Exactly. Sure. Uh, okay, so just kind of jumping ahead, and uh, you know, I, I'd like to come back to your family, maybe <laughs> kids and and grandkids, and like to hear about yeah. s some of what they're doing. But before that, let's let's kind of go chronologically okay. to you know kind of how you ended up. Well, well, first maybe a little bit about college. You went to college. I only and... went for two years okay. to college because I had met my husband then, and he was in law school. So okay, so I... you were already married at that time. I was married when I was 21, okay. so I was going to college, and he was going to law school, so I went to work to pay for law school. Okay, so you went to work to pay... His tuition his at tu USC Law School. <laughs> you are Mrs. Wonderful. Did I mention <laughs> I think, that? I think that was the way it was then, and I had mm -hmm. no particular aspirations as what I was going to do, mm -hmm. so I went to work for a bank which I really liked. I was in customer service and I got to meet a lot of different people. And banking is kind of nice because when you're finished at the end of the day, it's done. Mm -hmm. You've counted your money, you've done all your stuff and it's done. So you don't bring it home with you. Right. And you mentioned customer service, and I think that was probably pretty good training for what you did exactly. on, here on campus for exactly. a long time. So wh why don't you tell us how you were introduced to Loyola and uh, okay. and how you ended up on okay. campus working here. My When I was in high school, I dated someone from Loyola, so I knew I'm what sorry. it was. Yes, and <laughs> my husband went to Loyola. Right. He was a class of 1958. My mother lived when she, before she was married she lived in the jesuit parish in detroit uh it was called jesu and it was adjacent the university of detroit mm. so my uncles all graduated from the university of detroit so they kind of knew the jesuits and so when i dated ben i i live in a small city and um, so I knew about Loyola, and I knew that the boys were pretty um, dedicated to mm -hmm. doing well and mm -hmm. getting into a good college. And when um, I was married and Ben was a lawyer, we lived in the city that, and my kids went to the public school. My son graduated from the middle school there, and when he was in eighth grade, I asked his friends what they were going to do, and they were all going to go to the city high school they were all going to go to USC. Hmm. They were going to become betas, and they were going to take over their dad's business. <laughs> they figured it out. They figured it, They okay. knew it. So I told Paul, I said, starting from the back end, we don't have a business. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to USC. It's too close. I want you to go someplace where you can make mistakes that I don't know about, and mm -hmm. you have to fix them yourself. So I said, we'll look at St. Francis and Loyola. Mm -hmm. So, And I was hoping 
I gave him the option, but it really wasn't an option. I, I don't think I would have let him go to St. Francis. So with Paul, we, we jumped ahead a little, a we little did. bit, you know, to, to, uh, yeah, your all son. the way through my yeah. son. <laughs> yeah, to your son. Through, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and what she said was really, really important, I think, especially for any students that are listening yeah. to this podcast <laughs> is that you were, uh, you really motivated him to make mistakes, to go somewhere right. to, that, that he, he could figure it out on his own. And I, and I think that's an important message, you know, for all teenagers across the world right now, yeah. that it's okay to make mistakes. And that, that's Well, you learn by learn. them. You the only mistakes that are lousy are the ones that you don't learn something from. Right. So exactly. he uh, opted for Loyola. And his, I think he knew we wanted him to go there. His grandfather went to Loyola Academy in Chicago. So mm-hmm. we were kind of very Jesuit minded. And um, he said that touring the campus, he said all the freshman lockers at St. Francis were down like 200 stairs. They were, he said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and he said, we're flat here. So it, yeah. was, it was fine. And then he complained. He did cross country and he complained that St. Francis always beat them. And I said, well, I think it's those 200 stairs they're doing every right. <laughs> in between classes that are helping them. But that, you know, so he... He was very happy here, made some great friends here that he still sees. Right. You know. Well, and I, he probably got accepted to Loyola, and then he was assigned a locker. It was on the third floor of Loyola. <laughs> no, I, you know. the, it was level. It was they, level. That yeah. was the one thing yeah. he, he uh, demanded right. uh, when he a came. Right, a level That's, locker. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, yeah. yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned he still has friends that, you know, and I hear that, and that just keeps yeah. coming up in this podcast with, with Jerry Fermento, with Chris Walter, right. and those guys that graduated from here. Um, that they're some of their best friends or those guys yeah, that they graduated still meet. with them. Yeah, they, they have... still meet, if, you know, not ever, you know, maybe once every six weeks or something and mm-hmm. go over. So, it, and they're interested in each other's families and each other's kids. So it's nice. Right. Yeah. Cub for life. Right. right. And, uh, and a true brotherhood <laughs> in that way. And, yeah. and that's what keeps coming up as a theme right. in this podcast, which is important. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Uh, you, you ended up on campus. I did. How did that happen? That is kind of a funny story. Well, uh, Kathleen was going to Flint Ridge Sacred Heart, and Paul was uh, at Loyola and considering college. So I thought, well, I'll go back to banking. So mm-hmm. I kind of did that for um, when Paul was here, and as a, even a sophomore. And I worked for the bank again, and I was looking to see every branch is a little bit different and run a little bit different. So I worked out of a part-time pool that went to many banks and many departments. And it was very interesting. I did it a couple days a week. And I figured I would go to, back to work full-time when he was in college. And But we had a graduation for Paul at the house from Loyola. And although my parents were not living at the time. My mother had always told me, if you have something for the school, you have to invite the president, the principal, but don't worry, they won't show up. (laughs) So we had Paul's graduation party, and one of the first people to come was Father Cahalan, who was president (laughs) at the time, and I was not expecting him. And after we were there a little bit, he said to me, what are you going to do when the prince leaves? And I said, well, since the prince is going to a private school, I think I'll get a little job. And he said, can you start August 20th? <laughs> he said, I have to talk to one person, this Frank Kozakowski, and um, if it's okay with him, you'll talk to him then if he hasn't found somebody, and then you can start August 20th. 
So I didn't know who Frank Kozakowski was mm -hmm. because when Paul was here, if I w was not called for, I did not come. I was part of the mother's group and all that, but mm -hmm. that was about it. And, and John Dawson was the other person I would be working for. Mm -hmm. So I came and I talked to Mr. Kozakowski and I said, you know, I hope you don't want somebody to discipline this office because I'm not good at that. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm not really a disciplinarian with my you own kids. You weren't kid. hired as the dean? No, the dean. <laughs> no, okay, good. that's not part of my thing. So um, he said, oh, no, that's fine. So I worked in between Mr. Kozakowski and Mr. Dawson for years, and it was great fun. And what was what were their roles at the Mr. time? Mr. Kozakowski was assistant principal for student activities, and Mr. Dawson was the athletic director. Got it. And there was a lot more different things that we did. I kind of I enlisted a couple mothers. We kept a big scrapbook for the sports, and the kids seemed to like their name in print. Mm -hmm. We'd print up 300 copies of it, and they'd be gone. Of course. So, and the parents liked it, too. So it was a lot more personal than it is now. The, I think so. Yeah, the computers weren't as as much as they were. Yeah, and I, you know, personally, that that's funny that you mentioned that because I remember being a kid in Little League, right? And the Vista, yeah. I grew up in Vista, Vista in San Diego and uh, and the Vista Press would come out and I saw my yeah. name in, in Little League, I'd see my name yeah. as getting a hit or a couple of hits or whatever. And I remember clipping it out and I still have scrapbooks of right. my Little League days. But it's funny because those days are gone. These right. guys don't know anything about what a scrapbook is, you know? Yeah. They, I mean, unless they print out their instagram page yeah. or whatever and cut from there which it, doesn't it was happen. really fun and the two women that volunteered were mrs randazzo mm -hmm. her son played basketball and mrs arias her mm -hmm. son ran cross country and as openings came up in the main office and different things they were both hired here and both <laughs> worked for a long time yeah. because they too saw the positive mm -hmm. about being at loyola yeah so, well so Let's let before I'm going to come back to that about oh. the positives of being at Loyola <laughs> and some of your favorite favorite experiences here. But you, when uh, I guess Frank probably got hired into a different administrative yes. position and then Paul took over, or no, was that the, um, the further down the road? Um, that was further down the road. Mr. Gatfield took over for okay, um, Mr. Right. Kozakowski first, and then he had some health issues, I believe, and so then. Um, uh, Mr. Jordan was in. And then Mr. Dawson uh, came over to admissions, and there was an athletic director, uh, Nick Wooler, was in that office before. Okay. I think Gabe Sumakian was in one some, when John was on uh, sabbatical, and then he left, and then uh, John came back, and then Nick Wooler was the athletic director for a couple years. Mm -hmm. He decided to go to grad school in, in England. And then Mr. O'Donnell was yeah. there. So Mr. O'Donnell and Dr. Jordan have been longtime athletic director and assistant Correct. principal for student activities, respectively. And you, so since I've been here, really, that's who you've you, been. That's who right. you were. Um, they were both in the and, class of '88. Right. And they, yeah, same class. I thought it was interesting because when I first came. They called me Mrs. Salvati, and I referred to them as Paul and Chris, and then the tables were turned, and I have to call them Mr. Jordan and Mr. O'Donnell. Oh, that's got to be tough. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's tough. Well, well, so that's where I remember you, and then working so 
you know, close in terms of the vicinity of how closely yeah. we work together. And I would make copies in the student center. Right. And you'd that was the new student center. It, well, it was the old student center first. Yeah, it was the old student center. And, and, and now it's the new one that yeah. I've become. And it's interesting that you said you're not a disciplinarian <laughs> and that you don't want to do that. But to me, every time I see you, well, you're you a let little me different. have it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, I might deserve it. I but. bumped into a Loyola student yesterday on one of my days off, and we were talking about he went to UCLA in college football, and he said, are you still bothering the students at Loyola? <laughs> and I said, yes. And I said, I'm still nagging. He said, you weren't really a nag, but you were kind of a smart aleck. And yeah, well, <laughs> I think he's got you pegged maybe a little bit, Mrs. Wonderful. I don't know. But every time I tried to go hurtful. in there to make a copy... To be quite honest, those were some of my most favorite moments, you know, honestly, since I've been here and, and our, our interactions together, you know, they're very, they're very meaningful in a very fun and uh, right. um, genuine way, too. So um, that's what you do yeah. for the students. It's what you do for faculty and everybody on campus yeah. is you keep it light, you keep it fun, and right. uh, you work your tail off. And, okay, so I, I need to ask about, listeners might not understand just how messy your desk is. It was. is horrible. And it still is. I mean, I didn't Very know if you much worked so. on that. And the desk is much smaller now, <laughs> so it is really messy. And Mr. Jordan is very tidy, mm -hmm. extremely tidy. And he said that as long as I could find anything he wanted within one minute, it was no problem. You got the timer out? He did. <laughs> he said, that you know where it quiz. is. You know where it is. Uh, I'm I'm lucky I have a fair memory, but also when you're working on 20 different things, you really need either a large desk or a bulletin board that you can hang things up on and mm -hmm. go to. And so, I didn't have that. And I don't I don't I don't think a lot of people understand what you did in the student center <laughs> in terms of how many things you needed to do at there the same time. There were a lot time of things sometimes. When you had, I mean, every before school break, lunch, and after school. Yeah that is chaos in there. And you have 20 students in there asking for 20 different things. Yeah. Um, That's what made skill. it kind of fun. Right, yeah. It and I think it, you on your toes. Yeah, it, th it taught me to be very appreciative of different personalities, different work styles, and helped me to be less judgmental and critical, I mm -hmm. think. I thought everybody, uh, my son had a pretty good experience here, and I thought everybody's son deserves a pretty good experience here yeah, so that's what we strive for yeah so it's nice <laughs> pretty to be, good experience yeah so it's good to be pleasant uh, that's I think. great it doesn't well, cost anything to be pleasant no and you uh, you were are part of that experience and it wasn't <laughs> just pretty good you know for, for most of our students I'm hoping it's better than pretty, pretty good. good but um you know uh so if are there any experiences that kind of stick out in your mind or stories that you'd like to share whether it happened on campus off of campus mm -hmm. at at uh no uh, retreats I, or nah, you know i think every day has been positive uh, that i work here it's been really great getting to know different styles of management different ways people teach and different ways people learn i think we're doing a lot more for the students every year as far as like counseling and and learning differences it, it's really great and one of the things that I think is that smart people learn anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's who they walk the halls with that really make a difference in their life. And we have a wide variety of student 
uh, socioeconomically and, and diverse uh, student body and faculty. And I think that's part of the learning experience. And I think we do it very well. Like last, yes, Sunday was the father-son breakfast. And it was so great to see so many alums here with their sons and even grandfathers. So three or four generations, which tells me that we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think that that can't be emphasized enough that uh, there's a spe- the part of the reason, a big part of the reason this is such a special place are because of the different personalities that are here. Exactly. The different, the different people that come to this campus that, that share their stories and, um, you know, just learn how to um, be a community in that way where it's more than just the education they're getting in the classroom or even the service they're pre- providing outside of the right. classroom. It's about um, a, a true melting pot of, of that's what's um, great because some of our neighborhoods are like little bubbles you know they're mm-hmm. not they don't have the same um, diversity that we offer here and I think that's part of the learning experience mm-hmm. yeah D- did you uh, did you go on many retreats or I did. clubs or I know you, you, your hands were full with yeah, the job that you have I, um, I had a couple CLCs with uh, Father Leidig which were really fun and you get to know people on a different basis. I used to go to the faculty retreats and I don't go to Kairos retreats anymore because I've told Mr. Schaefer at 80 I'm really not in the same uh, mindset as Mm -hmm. the students today. They've changed a lot Mm -hmm. and so I think it's best that they get someone that's a little bit more hip. (laughs) (laughs) More hip. More hip. Well and the the more we kind of move away from that, the more, I guess uh, what I would say and what I see is that you're right, the students have changed, but I think there is a little bit of a yearning amongst teenagers in general, including our students, that want a connection with the way things were, right? And that's part of what this podcast is as well. And, you know, when I, in the classroom, you know, I created PowerPoints and I did all sorts of stuff in technology and used different internets and programs to internet sites and programs to uh to for my lessons but in the end of the year i would talk to my students and maybe give them a survey and what they really appreciated was when i would diagram draw things on the board you know and write things up and uh instead of showing it in a powerpoint or or using technology to try Mm -hmm. to convey that content and i do think there's a um they may not know it right but they do want to uh, have a little bit of a um uh, an association yeah. with the past and the way things were and um, the big tradition of Loyola is something I think is kind of mysterious and our younger students uh, uh, want to know a little bit more about that that mystery um, so again that's partly why yeah. we're having this podcast and you know I I, I think uh, uh, if there's if there are no other stories or or anything else that you'd like to share I think we can wrap it up here yeah. and I and I do appreciate you sitting down for the interview. I appreciate you and who you are. And I think you are a wonderful person (laughs) and a a great role model for me, a great role model for our students and a a true model of, of love and professionalism. So thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. All right. That'll do it for another episode of We Are Loyola. 